Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hey, Caitlin. Yeah, Jamie. What was the last meal you ate? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just asking. I, well, it it doesn't matter because I threw it up after watching this movie. Oh well, I just I was like, well, we're two friends and we like we've been on vacation together, and I just <laughs> was wondering what your last meal was. Here, wait, let me let me try again. Okay, it was definitely not someone else's poo poo. Oh, that... what a disappointment! <laughs> I was really hoping it was going to be someone else's poo poo. Well, well, egg on my face uh, <laughs> and poo-poo in my mouth. I didn't realize. Um, Why? Well, what was your last meal, Jamie? It was poo-poo. It was poo-poo. <laughs> it was a, it was a, you know, and in, depending on, I think the beauty of, and today we are, we, we thought, listen, like there's a lot going on. It's just like a really stressful, heavy time. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to meet the moment with an episode about, I think, one of the most politically impactful pieces of, I'll just go ahead and say art. Well, uh, not only that, yeah, I would call this, this is not only a feminist text. Oh, yeah. I would say that this is a feminist masterpiece. Oh, yeah. I totally agree. And so we wanted to like, yeah, we wanted to spotlight 
great feminist art. Um, <laughs> yeah. To just start April and to mm-hmm. to really just, you know, I, I think it's like this is a, if we're talking about gigantic feminist watershed moments in cinema, mm-hmm. I'm shocked it took us almost five years to get to the human centipede, which is what we're covering uh, today. Sp- yeah, and this is our probably most commonly requested episode. I think like, it's been just, requested at least 1,500 times at this point. <laughs> if not more. Yeah. Um, the people are just gagging on poo for us to cover this movie. Yeah. And finally, yeah, yeah, yeah. we're here and we're doing it. So um, the the time is now. We first of all wanted to apologize that it's taken us so long yeah. to cover it. Because the response, as you were saying, Caitlin, it has been really overwhelming. And I feel like I'm getting two or three messages a day. Mm-hmm. Same, yeah. To the point where people have figured out what my home address are and they're sending me <laughs> handwritten letters being like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And so here it is. You know, it's understandably it's going to be, you know, a really serious episode. And <laughs> it, yeah, but but I think that we're going to have a really... <laughs> A really rich, fiberful conversation, <laughs> and it's just going to be a mouthful of fiber. I feel like, in terms of what the episode is going to be like, and what it's going to feel like to listen to. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this is the Bechtel cast. It's our really serious podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, I apologize for laughing. It's prior, not funny. Prior to what's going to be s- such a serious... <laughs> it's not funny. <laughs> yeah, this is a serious episode. Sometimes yeah. we do an episode on something, you know, like National Treasure where we can just goof oh, around Joe, and ha, sometimes ha. we do something... Oh, flubber, teehee. This is not one of those episodes. No. This, this is going to generate some very serious discourse and I apologize for laughing because that was inappropriate we laugh at, humans laugh in response to fear and human centipedes and human centipedes uh, <laughs> um probably shouldn't laugh because their mouth is full uh, <laughs> they can't they can't laugh if they laugh it's muffled um and <clears throat> yeah what if one of them one of them gets a cold and their nose gets stuffed up do they just suffocate i feel like we're introduced with kind of a cat dog dilemma with this Mm. film but it's also just like what if there was a third animal between i mean i guess with the human centipede (laughs) what separates a human centipede from a cat dog is the third piece is the centerpiece Mm -hmm. because apparently if you remove the center of the human centipede all you have is a hilarious children's tv show um but but the center the the center person really is what elevates it to um a feminist text right yes because i don't know i mean did we did you did you ever watch cat dog i didn't no i was a big cat dog fan and 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 fans of cat dog and people who don't give a shit about cat dog are well versed in the argument in, in just the discussion of like where does the pee pee come from where does the poo poo come from does it come from the cat's mouth does it come from the dog's mouth does it come from somewhere in the middle of the tube in the in the cat dog because cat dog is like a cat 
head on one end and then a dog head on the other end and they're just sort of like both attached at the abdomen kind of thing yeah they're just it's a long animal tube and then there's mm-hmm. a cat at one end and a dog on one end and they're just uh you know they're just siblings and they have a, a sweet relationship and they couldn't be more different uh-huh but they're on the same tube but um pooping as far as i know never comes up in this show and wow. and i think that that's maybe intent textually intentional Sure. Um, but there are times where, okay, so in Cat Dog, just to like ease us into the discussion, mm-hmm. where I believe, and Cat Dog heads, please correct me if I'm wrong, I believe there are instances or perhaps a whole episode where Cat gets hairballs and they come out of Dog's mouth. Oh. So that's extremely confusing because it's not like cats poop out hairballs. They come out of their mouth. Right. And so they're just kind of operating on a separate separate level. Well, I don't know. Cat dog doesn't sound like it's 100% medically accurate, which the human centipede claims to be and as Jamie, you and I are both doctors. We are, yeah. We can confirm that the human centipede is 100% medically accurate. Yes, this is if if you were to do this, this is everyone would look like the Joker, except their head is attached to someone's butt. Um, <laughs> yes. That's exactly how it would go. And oh, by the way, I mean, if this is your first episode, welcome. <laughs> this is a really serious podcast that we started to really start human discussions. And, and I feel like our podcast is kind of a human centipede of ideas. And, and in fact, we've really, we really just, we started the podcast to be able to talk about this episode. This is like the grand, what if this is our last episode? This is the grand finale. <laughs> this is it. I feel like though, if you do remember that, that when you contacted me, I mean, I would say probably five years ago now about yeah to, to start discussing, you know, doing this show together. This was, I think it took up a good hour of our discussion of like, well, this is obviously where we're building to or where we would want to build to, but it would take mm-hmm. at least four years. Right. And we would need to build trust and we would need to build a listener base because we want this message to get across to as many <laughs> mouths, ear, but mouths, mouths really. and anuses. As we can. <laughs> depending on what side of the centipede you're on and some of us are on both sides and so it's just it's an exchange of like what is a human centipede if not an exchange of ideas the you know um where you know i it's this, this human centipede is a metaphor and if you're in the center oh certainly it's the least comfortable place to be but are you not both giving and receiving ideas from your peers Yes. Uh, yes. The answer is yes. And you may, in fact, be the last girl as as a result. <laughs> uh, this is the back talk. <laughs> um. Um. Yeah. Should yes. we even? I mean, I, I. You know, we should. This is a really serious episode. I think it's really important to clarify what this show is about. <laughs> yes. So on this podcast. Hmm. We analyze movies, sure, works of art such as Human Centipede, mm-hmm. from an intersectional feminist lens, mm-hmm. using the Bechdel test as a jumping-off point. And we've been, you know, the the test has been 
evolving along like our rendition of the test has been evolving along with the show these past many years mm-hmm. to the point where I would like to propose the the newest rendition. Oh, sure. I mean, what better episode? Do two people of any marginalized gender uh-huh. poop into the mouth of mm-hmm. one another? I'm so glad you're saying this. Yeah. <laughs> For... <laughs> Uh, the end question mark <laughs> right I mean it's dialogue I, I think really notwithstanding because there there you are introduced with a problem when you get to a certain part of this human centipede of how on earth can we pass this test if if our mouths are sewn to our dear friends anuses but that's why I'm proposing this because yeah. we don't want to leave anyone out absolutely not this test is inclusive and it you know people who's who cannot communicate verbally because their mouth has been sewn to the anus of some other person very specific yeah (laughs) but you know it's it's representation that we had failed to see on screen before this movie so this movie really sheds a light on those people Mm -hmm. and they should be included in the in this test so I felt I felt rep- I will I just want to start by saying I I felt represented in the human centipede mm-hmm. because I have been uh, a clueless American white girl uh, on vacation with a friend <laughs> uh-huh. stumbling around there you have been that friend at yeah at, at at many points and so it's like oh what is the human centipede if not you know the worst case scenario of us on tour. Uh, <laughs> Of us just stumbling around wherever we happen to be. And mm-hmm. if we got to the to the woods of question mark comma Germany, this very well could have been us. That's and true. So it's a cautionary tale in, in many ways mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what was your what was your experience with this? And I'd like to just call it a text. Um, I don't want to, yes. you know, use kind of a. a dismissive term like it's not simply a movie Mm -mm. no no this this text this uh this document this manifesto it's what what isn't it did you ever say documentary (laughs) (laughs) this documentary i was going to say document but i was like whoo but when you think about it could be it, it maybe it is a documentary what if we just don't it's a documentary we just don't know it yet <laughs> yeah could be so my relationship with this i remember when the trailers were circulating on i think the internet like i didn't see the the trailers weren't you know on television or in front of any movie I was seeing in theaters but okay you're distancing I feel you I feel you distancing yourself from the human centipede and (laughs) I'm so sorry well I saw the trailers and Mm -hmm. I was living with I think I was living with JT at the time word caught on about this movie and (laughs) I remember I remember the marketing the marketing was uh you know this you got a sense of what the movie was about based on the trailer. And I remember the claims that it was 100% medically accurate. And I was like, well, not only that, but it looks to me like it's the most feminist film ever made. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I have to see this. This is like really, you know, an intersection of all of my interests, you know, medical accuracy, poo poo. <laughs> 
feminism. Sure. Poo-poo feminism was, uh, I think, a big discussion in the late 2000s. I would qualify a lot of movies that came out in the 2000s as poo-poo feminism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we we got a hold of it somehow, JT and I. Mm-hmm. So I saw it in like, I think it was like 2010 or maybe 2011. I don't know. Oh, like it wasn't, you were early. You were early. I was an early viewer of this text. Mm-hmm. It is true. And I, I loved it. I, I was like, this is, I feel, I feel seen. I feel heard. I haven't seen a movie this feminist in ever. Mm-hmm. So it uh, became one of my favorite movies of all time. What about you, Jamie? My history with Human Centipede was I honestly wasn't sure even going into because I I hadn't I feel like I have a habit in my life of depriving myself of joy. <laughs> and so I hadn't seen this. I had just been kind of like intentionally depriving myself of this text for for years out of avoidance and just not wanting to feel really great. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> I honestly wasn't sure in preparing for this episode if Human Centipede was like an online joke that became a movie or if the movie came first and then it became an online joke because I had not seen. So I had to like go back and because you know how like I kind of thought that it was it had gone in the direction of slender man where like Human Centipede was Mm. this online thing and then it became IP but. It turns out I was quite wrong. It came from the mind of one genius. And then... <laughs> Mr. Tom Six, feminist Tom icon. Six. Yeah, I think we should up him to seven while we're at it. Um, Tom Six, who is also... Uh, I mean, I, I think fascinating is an applicable word to just who mm. he is. Mm-hmm. Um, the Tom Six universe. Um, and how he got his money is fascinating to me. We'll get to that. Oh, sure. But... Yeah, I I kind of thought this was an internet thing that became a cinematic text and was, I don't know if the phrase is pleasantly surprised, but I was, you know, artistically intrigued that it was in <laughs> fact a single person's idea that, I mean, most of what I knew about the human centipede was just like internet jokes, mm-hmm. like because I feel like they, I mean, they, you know, ebb, they, they, you know, wax and wane like the moon. But human centipede jokes are always around. Mm-hmm. And in fact, I think there should be more of them. Let's get let's get to waxing, folks. We need more human centipede <sighs> jokes going. Seriously. Um. Yeah. So this was my first time really taking it. <laughs> all in i felt i felt really center of the centipede um Mm -hmm. i was taking it in and i was letting it out you know (laughs) so it was an absolute pleasure to prepare for this really important episode (laughs) i will say what is okay this is maybe i don't want to like get ahead of ourselves but what is your favorite part of (laughs) human centipede like what's your favorite scene? I do have a favorite like moment. Um this feels like cheating but all of them every scene Ooh. I love. I love that it's a tight I was honestly thrilled to be like oh it's just an hour and a half. I was terrified oh, yes. that it would be a second longer. 
My favorite moment in the human centipede, parentheses, first sequence, by the way. And yes. no, we did not watch the other two. Um, I did consider it, though. But I said, you know what? I've felt enough joy for one week. I, You need things to look forward to, you know? Exactly. Especially, exactly. especially in this pandemic. It's not a binger. I mean, yeah, you want to like prolong this as much as you can. Exactly. But my favorite moment in first sequence was when the... So, I, you know, the cops are a little too good in this movie, right? I don't know what German cops are like, but I can assume not great, right? Mm-hmm. But there is a moment where when the, after the police have arrived, <laughs> where they're like, so you made the human centipede, right? And he's like, no, no, I did not make the human centipede. <laughs> uh-huh. But the human centipede cage is out. Yes. And my favorite moment in the whole cinematic text is when the cop is looking at the human human centipede cage and going hmm what is this (laughs) (laughs) but it's literally the human centipede cage and it's just out there for anyone for anyone to stumble across so you know i just thought that that was a beautiful moment of i don't i mean i don't even know what i would call you have two film degrees (laughs) what would you oh gosh what is that play there? What's going on there? Is I it, mean, is it irony? Is it it's a, little, a joke? little bit? It's you know, I would classify it as a number of things. It's um, you know, it's perhaps foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's motif. Ooh, it's it's allegory. It is definitely. A, oh, there's a lot of metaphor going on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's plant and payoff. It's uh, it's just a lot of it's a lot of narrative devices all rolled into one because you know this is just a really masterfully written screenplay that is oh, just I mean. like making use of a lot of just like very effective narrative devices. I totally agree. I mean, and. Uh, I, I had a fun, like, white stripes moment trying to figure out if Tom Six and Alana Six were married or siblings. Oh, uh-huh. Um, they are siblings, unlike the white... You, I, I, assu- I always assumed the white stripes were siblings, but they were dating. This is quite the opposite. I see. But, yeah, I mean, this is this is, an, you know, an auteur piece. Uh, oh, yes. From, from the Six family, which, which is kind of fun down to the editing you know tom six was one of the credited editors of course so i mean when you have this brilliant concept you have to be really protective of it i mean you wouldn't want to get this wrong you don't want to put this in the hands of some yahoo who can't edit together the human centipede yeah i understand that he would have wanted to do that himself yeah Uh, a movie so good that non-feminine like uh misogynist icon roger ebert refused to give it any rating Mm. because it was too quote-unquote gross which i think intentionally misses the point yeah gosh roger ebert don't get us started i already know we we're not going to refuse to give it a rating on our scale no we're not cowards i already know what rating i'm gonna give it which is obviously five nipples oh yeah i i don't see any reason to hold back on what we're going to be giving this movie it's going to be five well actually actually the 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 human centipede featured in this film Mm -hmm. has six nipples Oh, that's true. Let's be include. Let's include every nipple. So, human centipede facts with Caitlin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> human centipedes. Uh, at least this. I mean, there. I mean, again, I haven't seen the sequels. I don't know if more 
centipedes get attached. <laughs> My understanding is, and I honestly didn't fully check. But my understanding is that with each passing film, the centipede gets... The centipede gets longer? Several times longer. Okay, sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So at least for... um, uh, What's this one called? First sequence? The third one The third one may in fact be a like, centi... Like a full hundred. I'm not totally sure, but... Whoa. They might have really... That's where it was headed, right? That's, I mean heightening if you want to learn about heightening in storytelling oh my god wait caitlin yes really quick just go to the wikipedia page for the human centipede three and look at the poster and it might be more than a hundred <laughs> oh wait, my hang on. god that is so i don't want to know anything else this is so fucked up oh <gasps> <laughs> that's a lot of people uh so yeah safe to say it gets Whoa. longer than three um but <laughs> but we did not we did not watch it looks like it it just gets longer with every movie and i'm pretty sure based on i consulted horror buff and friend of the cast Corey johnson mm-hmm. about this because i was like who off the top of my head can i be certain has seen all three human centipede movies <laughs> And it is her, oh, and of course she said, um, she said, what I, what we know already, which is that there is a message to the first Human Centipede movie. If mm-hmm. what you sacrifice in that is a pretty short centipede, and as the centipede mm-hmm. gets longer, perhaps the the powerful message gets smaller. You know, it's a mm. give and take. So if you want a long centipede, it has to be meaningless. If you have a short <laughs> centipede, you can have a powerful tight three-act structure sure of course yeah um so all that to say that the the centipede featured in this first film this first work of art has Mm -hmm. six nipples Mm -hmm. therefore that is what i will be giving this movie i will honor that i will honor that yes thank you six nipples thank you so much um (laughs) so uh, do we need to talk about anything else before I recap this brilliant narrative? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I think that, you know, we, we shouldn't hold back any longer and really just like, re- you know, release. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> release the information. Yeah, I'd love to um, feed you, so to speak, the recap. Oh, yes, please, please, please. An iconic... How did that not end up on an AFI list? Feed her, feed her. (laughs) And if you apply that to feed her knowledge, it becomes Uh this really powerful thing. It all depends on the direction you're coming at it analytically. Sure. It's a brilliant Mm -hmm. film. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actually, let's take a quick break first. You know, go to the bathroom or whatever you need to do. And we'll be right back. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. 
because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. She's breathing right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. The Human Centipede first sequence opens on a man. He is looking at some photos of three dogs mm-hmm. who are seen all kind of standing in a single file line. They're in a row. They seem to be sniffing each other's butts. We don't, but we don't, like, you know, going on might it be something more? And then we see that same man approach a trucker who has like pulled off the road to take a poo-poo, which is the first, um, the first indication that, that poo-poo might be featured as a motif in this film. I really thought that was a tasteful introduction of what a prominent motif was going to be. Because then you go back and you watch it later and you're like, oh my God. I mean, again, foreshadowing at its finest. Incredible stuff. Yeah, really, really thoughtful. <laughs> so the man is seen approaching this, uh, this truck driver with a gun. Oh God. And we're like, uh-oh. Then we cut to two women, Lindsay and Jenny. Mm -hmm. They are American tourists in Germany. Mm -hmm. And they are heading to a party, but they get lost. Their car gets a flat tire. 
they get out and walk through the middle of the woods, well, which it should I thought be was said, a really... It should be said, the entire beginning of the movie between Lindsay and Jenny pretty thoroughly passes the Bechdel test. Oh, yeah. They are talking to each other about like... Do I want to go out? Do I not want to go out? What do I want to do? Oh my gosh, you know where we are? No, I don't. They're having mm-hmm. really um, impactful conversations. And so I feel like also early on you learn like, oh, this is about women. <laughs> this is about women. This is a, this is a woman's story. This yeah. is a, an empowering story about female friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we see them interact a lot. and I honestly am genuinely very invested in their friendship, particularly with, and, and we'll get there, but like where their story goes, you know, and where their story mm-hmm. ends. I honestly, I was not prepared for where their story ends and how um, genuinely like, oh, I'm sad I was going to feel <laughs> at the end. I value their friendship. They seem mm-hmm. to, they seem to be like, really complimentary late 2000s I like I like when I think it's Jenny who's like I'm wearing shorts and high heels I'm not getting out of the car and I was like wow that is what people were saying in 2009 you know it is it is so they're wandering through the woods they're wandering through the woods and they eventually come upon a house Mm -hmm. Uh, they knock on the door and who greets them? Who opens the door but the man we saw at the beginning? Oh, but we forgot to mention that when they are stuck there, the creepy guy pulls up. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. And he hits on them. He scares them. This is like plot relevant so that by the time they go into the woods, they are already very anxiety ridden. They already feel really nervous. And so I feel like you're given... And I have some notes about the way that seems presented, but um, they've already been kind of been made to feel unsafe before they find this house. So they're already on like True. high alert. Yes. And this man opens the door. He invites them in. They're like, hey, can you call the car company for us so that we can, you know, hitch a ride out of here? And then he says, are you alone? Which is never a good way uh-huh. to start a conversation <laughs> yep. with a, the scariest looking person I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> yes. His, also, that actor's name is Dieter Laser, which is also a yes. very menacing name. Just everything. And then the more I learned about the actor and his conduct on set, I'm like, he just sounds like a scary, scary <laughs> guy. Yeah. We'll talk about uh mr laser (laughs) it's probably like laser or or something Um, yeah please our german our german uh (laughs) listeners forgive us but i just i was like his last name is laser he's scary and then you look up the facts about production and then everyone's like no he was quite scary (laughs) yep (laughs) everyone agrees Mm -hmm. so he pretends to call the car company for them Mm -hmm. and then he gives them both a glass of water which he has drugged yeah so the women lose consciousness they wake up in his basement tied to hospital beds the trucker from earlier is there as well Mm -hmm. also tied to a bed and the man um who dr uh, heider yeah dr heider comes in and he's like, he says to the truck driver that he's not a match. 
We don't really know exactly what he means or what context, but he kills the truck driver while Lindsay and Jenny watch on in horror. Mm -hmm. What did he mean when he said, you are not a match? Was there a reason that he wasn't a match? I wasn't sure in text why precisely he wasn't a match. What was... I don't know if it was like a blood type thing. Oh, like a, literally a medical reason that a human centipede, like all the human centipedes have to have like vibey blood types. I don't. Well, again, um, we should know this since we are doctors. Women in STEM sound <laughs> up in the If you're making a human centipede, do the blood types need to be vibey or like there are certain pre-existing conditions that disqualify you from participating i wonder Could what it be. would be yeah i mean i know that like if you're getting a an organ transplant for example sure. you have to like make sure that there's some kind of and again i don't know if it's blood type match or some other just sort of like compatibility thing mm -hmm. um but yeah my guess was there there was like a medical reason that the truck driver could not participate he had to go. It the, was nothing yeah. personal, is the thing. It was nothing personal. Was nothing. With the human centipede, it's never personal. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, and I love that. That's a, a major theme in this movie. Um, it's it's important to remember that sometimes. Yeah. Uh, the fate that the truck driver suffers is uh, far less bad than like w the fate he would have suffered if he had. Yeah, I think we would all agree. We would rather just just die mm -hmm. so he kind of gets off easy yeah he gets let off the hook but we still but we still but, need um, uh, um i'm sorry did you say but you, like yeah uh, sorry i was trying to hit the t hard so that <laughs> it would be implied that there were two of them yeah, um, two, two, but we but need with two T's. one more but to make a human centipede <laughs> And that's when Dr. Heider comes home with a new man, Katsuro, mm -hmm. who he has abducted. And then he explains to all of them what he plans to do. Mm -hmm. So the thing with him is he is a retired surgeon yes. who used to specialize in separating conjoined twins. Right. He uses a dismissive and very dated term. Yes. That we're not even going to repeat here. But it, yes, conjoined twins is the is the correct term to use. One of the few mm -hmm. mistakes um, uh, that the this otherwise perfect makes. movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, so now that he is retired, he has kind of refocused his efforts and takes his surgical expertise mm -hmm. and um, applies it to, he's pivoting. Yes. He's having a second, he's having, honestly, like my, my dad just retired and he's kind of looking for a second act. And so I mm. kind of want to show him this movie as a kind of aspirational <laughs> thing of like, Oh, you already have a applicable skills. You just need to find your second act, you know? And so, yeah. you know, the, the doctor's really decided on what his, his second act <laughs> is going to be. Which is that he now is obsessed with surgically joining people together. But a very particular way. In a very particular way. Yeah. And what he is going to do is attach these three people together, mouth to anus... Uh-huh. In a chain forming the iconic human centipede. The feminist icon. <laughs> and so with the three, I feel like with the three 
person, human centipede, you really do have, um, you know, everyone's role is quite different. And, you know, the longer the centipede gets, the more kind of like central, like if you're reaching human centipede three, which that, I don't know what goes on in that movie, but there's like 500 (laughs) people in that chain. Yeah. That's like 498 parts of the human centipede. They could fucking unionize at that point. But in this point, but it's like, if you just have three people, there's one person who's uniquely suffering as a part of the centipede. And then you also have an appointed mouthpiece. Um, right. The only person whose mouth is available, that is. The, the head of the choo-choo. <laughs> <laughs> the head of the the poo-poo train. The poo-poo. Yeah. He he doesn't... And the, the one who eats from the bowl. Yes. Etc. So... So Dr. Heider starts to prep them for surgery, mm-hmm. but Lindsay manages to escape her restraints, um, but he finds her again and he says he is going to punish her by putting her in the middle of the centipede. I found this sequence to be very compelling. We see Lindsay acting with a lot of, um, she's taking a lot of initiative. She has a lot of agency. She's fighting for her life and her friend's life. And mm-hmm. she's really like going up against the oppressor. I on I mean, going, I had a lot of, now I find to be ridiculous negative assumptions going into this. <laughs> but right at the top, we see, you know, like a, a, a highly motivated female character being like, you know what? Something about this human centipede just doesn't sound right to me. And I don't want to participate. And she, you know, she she fights and she also fights for her friend. And I genuinely thought that sequence was very, like, exciting is not the right word, but I was on the edge of my seat. Sure. Thrilling. It's thrilling. And like you said, we see a a woman having agency. Mm -hmm. We see a woman... Like just taking the information that's been provided to her and thinking critically about it and like thinking about what she should do next. So, you know, she's using her brain. It's all pretty. I mean, in all seriousness, like everything (laughs) Lindsay and Jenny do in like the first act of the movie more or less make sense to me as like tourists who are panicking and who have just been scared by someone who is aggressively hitting on them it seems like like wanted to assault them there's only one house they are like communicating with each other silently as this creepy guy is making them drinks they are like it's just like it's I don't know like there I was I was like oh you know I'm glad that Alana Six was in the room because I feel like these women (laughs) given the horrific circumstances they're being thrown into like it didn't Mm -hmm. seem completely like in the way that most horror and like especially like gore movies will introduce female characters as like completely irrationally trusting of people Mm -hmm. they don't really seem that way they just are like this is the option and we're still very freaked out and like let's see what happens yeah, I would, I mean, not to criticize this perfect film, but... Um, Be careful. I, I know, I, I say this with a lot of caution, but um, while I see what you're saying, and I think they're characterized maybe a little bit... Uh, I don't want to say... I don't want to say better. I don't... 
Also, I'm just like, when do we drop the bit? But, but, what bit? Uh, what bit? Sorry, I'm so sorry. Um, there were still like choices that they made that I was like, oh, these are female characters written by a male horror writer. Like, which I had a point too where I got like, oh, this is the line where this has like lost. I mean, and that is like a trope of the genre or whatever, but like, what was the choice for you where you're like, I'm no longer like feeling connected to this, this character's logic. I mean, just like them getting out of the car. My thing was them leaving the road. I could see them getting out of the car if the car wasn't going to move, but them leaving the main road to me made very little sense. I was just like, that, wouldn't yeah. you just follow the road back to Ro- the town you yes. came from ultimately and then like mm-hmm. hope someone passed? Um, the other yeah. thing is like, it's not a great idea, but you can drive slowly with one flat tire for some amount of distance you could turn around like you could turn around that's true i also don't have a driver's license so it's like maybe (laughs) you can't do that but like Like it's not great and it's gonna like mess things up a bit in the car probably but like the fact that they get out of the car and then yeah go immediately into the woods going into the woods i was just like (laughs) on like it would make sense to me if they like we're like, oh, I know something is here, but clearly they don't. They have no idea where they were. So they get lost immediately. Yeah. I can't imagine myself, especially in a country I know nothing about and I don't speak the language and all this stuff, like wandering into the woods does seem like begging to die. Um, <laughs> so in that way, and then even if you can suspend your disbelief through that, because then I like challenge myself, I'm like, okay, what if I what if I could get myself to the doctor's house? Right. Mm -hmm. I also, I find it really, I don't know, maybe if you're like truly, mm, I I was kind of of two minds of this. I don't think in 2021 as an adult that knows better, I don't think Mm -hmm. that I would have accepted a glass of water from a total stranger without watching them pour it. Like, I feel like there's Mm -hmm. a world where I could have been like, I really need water. I've been wandering around the fucking woods for an hour, but let me see you just pour it from the sink, you know, or something like that. Because he's just roofing literally everyone who walks in the door. <laughs> Truly. Um, but, but I also could see, and I don't know how hard our King Tom six is thinking about this. I also <laughs> feel like when I was younger, which I think that I don't know how old these characters are supposed to be. I'm like, pfft anywhere between 19 and 35 I have no idea I'm assuming college right yeah early 20s when I was younger I can see myself wanting to watch someone prepare my drink and maybe being a little too anxious to ask and so I but I also am like how hard is Tom Six thinking about this probably um, Probably no disrespect to our our king but (laughs) very possibly zero percent but I've had, I don't know, have you ever had a moment like that where someone offers you a drink and I immediately always when like a stranger at all, but particularly a stranger who is a man mm-hmm. offers me a drink, I, if I want to accept, I need to know that I am watching it be prepared just because of the experience of knowing better. Yeah. But I also was an age at one point where I would have been too nervous to advocate for myself in that way. 
for sure. I mean, yeah, I definitely didn't always insist on watching or it just insist on today. I would like, I would just be like, I'll make it myself. Thanks. Yeah. Or like, I would even go so far as to be like, let's make them together. I'll come to the kitchen with you. Like, so mm-hmm. that there's nothing funky going on and but you know as as a as a teenager I can't I you know I don't know that I would have had the cuz I truly at this point in my life don't give a fuck I just want to um live uh, <laughs> but what I would probably yeah. do if I was even in like my earlier more naive days or like days of just like not being able to advocate for myself or like speak up or like you know just be like fuck you I'm making my own drink or whatever I would say now mm-hmm. I would I would accept a drink but just not touch it I just would not drink it that yeah I've done that too I the 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 part of that scene that I genuinely felt like oh that is definitely kind of a thing that I recognized like in myself when I was younger and like in college of like when the guy is being really weird and then he leaves the room and then immediately you turn to your friend and you're like, what is going on? Like that. I was like, Oh, I've done that 500 times. And then the second he walks back in, you're like, like nothing to see here. I feel this is so normal for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I also don't think I would have gone in the house like Ooh, see, and I understand it was like it's raining you know they probably want to get it out of the rain that's the thing is like I the fact that they added the rain and the night I think I would have like knocked on the door and asked to use the phone but then like stayed outside on the stoop and like not actually gone inside the house and I also wondered was like is there some sort of and again I don't know where to, I mean we can't <laughs> and we can't put ourselves in the mind of a genius artist like Tom <laughs> We can't really know. The mind from which the idea for Big Brother came is like Tom Six thought of Big Brother. So he's just, he's just, did you know that? I did not. Oh my God. So that is where Tom Six's money comes from. He was an original director on the Dutch reality TV series, Big Brother, which apparently was the first incarnation of Big Brother. Okay. That obviously became an international phenomenon. So he was like into some like some stuff, you know, and Hmm. some like low key (laughs) torture um, pre-human sentence. Wait, I'm not seeing that on his IMDb. Oh, it's in the first sentence. It's he was six was an original direct. Oh, on his, uh, it's on his uh, Wikipedia. Yes, Wikipedia. Oh, yeah. Six okay. was an original director of Dutch reality TV series Big Brother, which has since become an international franchise. So that's how Ooh. he um, established himself and got you know some credibility it was by the survey mm. the abusive surveillance TV show of <laughs> of a generation. Um, wow. So <laughs> there you go. I guess this is all to say that, yeah, some choices were made to have the women in the movie behave in a way that I think was pretty indicative that those characters were written by someone who um, does not really understand what it is to be a woman who has to move about the world and the danger we are often in and the amount of on guard we always have to be because a lot of men put us in danger and make us feel unsafe. But I would say, I would say that like given, I mean, and in this genre, there's so many brilliant women who work in the horror genre that, 
um, would have executed this more realistically. But in terms <laughs> of like horror movies that I'm familiar with, which are mostly like American horror movies that are probably not great and were released to white audiences, mm-hmm. Lindsay and Jenny <laughs> navigate the situation more realistically than a lot of horror movies I've seen where they're never Mm. just like wandering into a room just to be like, what's in here? Which I feel like is what we get (laughs) a lot. So it's a little more grounded. um, And also it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, and I mean, no disrespect, it's a B horror movie. So it's like certain things just need to happen. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, but I mean, but yeah. So the, the bar we're comparing this up against is, so unbelievably low. That, Why would you uh, say that, Caitlin? The bit. I mean, the bit. Well, I'm. Well, I'm saying that this movie rises far above the bar. Like women are acting not completely the way a real woman would, but they're not acting so unlike you would in that situation that you're like, I have no. I feel nothing about this, you know, where it's like there were little mm-hmm. moments where I was like, oh, I get that. Oh, I get that. Oh, I would never do that. But maybe like maybe someone I know might in some situation do that, you know, like mm-hmm. it didn't feel so off the wall that it was like completely in any case there. They end up participating in a human centipede. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, vol- voluntarily. <laughs> They don't. Well, that's the other thing. I'm like, okay, in in the worst case scenario of this script, what if they're like, pitch this to me? And he's like, okay, so here's my idea. And they're like, okay, um, I guess. Like, they do not, they do not consent to be a part of the human centipede. That would mm-hmm. not be realistic. <laughs> no one consents. True. So, so we we've got some realism represented on screen here it is it's realism yeah <laughs> um okay so let's see where were we in the recap um so dr Hyder. okay so he explains his plan uh lindsay tries to escape he's like i'm going to punish you by putting you in the middle they have a bit of a scuffle she ends up in his swimming pool I think he thinks that she has drowned, so he walks away. He clearly does not know what his own swimming pool is like because she literally <laughs> just like pushes up the. Because I was kind of wondering that when he's like, "I'm gonna trap you," I'm like, "I'm pretty sure those kind of things you just kind of push up a little bit and then you have yeah. breathing room," which is true. What She's happens? fine. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So he he goes away, and Lindsay takes this opportunity to go back down and try to save jenny so she's dragging jenny who i think is unconscious yeah uh, up the stairs out of the basement out of the house but uh-oh dr Hyder finds them and shoots Lindsay with a tranquilizer there's a lot of uh-oh moments in human centipede truly yes yeah i mean this again this movie accomplishes many things feminism uh-oh moments uh-oh. um it is it's a very it's a yeah. an effective horror movie it makes you feel horrified (laughs) yes yeah yes so um so then he performs the surgery making them into a human centipede Mm -hmm. with katsuro in the front yep Lindsay in the middle and jenny in the back Lindsay in the middle as punishment for trying to escape 
Right. Yes. And Dr. Hyder loves his creation. It's his little pet. He makes them walk around the yard. He takes pics. He takes pictures. They have a kennel. There's a kennel. He makes Katsuro uh, eat out of a dog food dish. It's all very fucked up. <laughs> it's extremely fucked up. Yeah. And then eventually Katsuro goes poo-poo into Lindsay's mouth. Which then you have to imagine the trickle-down effect <laughs> does go. It's like economics. It re- it. Like that economics thing that never works, but in in <laughs> the trickle down system may not work in the American economy, but in the human mm. centipede, it is extremely effective. <laughs> um, and so it does it does all. Well, that's a question I had because again, this movie if 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 a woman poo poos into the mouth of another woman, it passes mm-hmm. the pectal test, especially if they're holding hands because they're friends. Especially if the, exactly, yeah. But I don't know if that ever ends up happening in this movie because at one point Dr. Hyder is doing a checkup on all of them and he's like, Katsuro, you're you look great. You're you're healthy no as notes. a human centipede. <laughs> <laughs> to Lindsay he says, You're constipated. She doesn't want to poop in her friend's mouth. She doesn't. Yeah, she's like holding it in. Katsuro's like and- this I don't know this woman. <laughs> so I guess so she'll I guess... understand. I don't know. I mean, like, I'm not going to run it. I think Kats- from Katsuro's perspective, he's like, I'm not going to run into her. I don't know her. Mm. Whereas Lindsay and Jenny, if Lindsay poo-poos into Jenny's mouth, they have to drive home together. Whereas Katsuro's <laughs> like, I can just go, you know, you have no idea where uh, where I'm going. So it's not a big deal. It is kind of like a one night stand thing versus a long-term relationship sure exactly yeah Yeah. also worth mentioning that katsuro does not speak english um he speaks japanese so Mm -hmm. he is unable to communicate with both dr Hyder or the two women and also like it's another way in which dr Hyder kind of has the upper hand because it seems like when he does not want the women to know what's going on he speaks in german and when he does want the women to know what's going on he speaks in english in a way that they can understand him but katsuro Mm -hmm. is kind of like uniquely isolated yes in this way yeah yeah and so yeah the checkup happens and then jenny seems to be very ill she she's not taking well to the human centipede well she's starving operation no one's giving her poo poo she's starving she her her mouth incisions are infected uh and it seems like she's dying mm-hmm. Then two detectives show up to Dr. Hyder's house and asks if he knows anything about some people who have gone missing. Then my favorite moment in the movie (laughs) where they see the human centipede kennel. And the detective, I think we're supposed to believe, is the smarter detective in that he is not Mm. the detective who immediately becomes roofied. Mm. He is like, so what is this for? (laughs) It's so funny to me when he looks at the human centipede's cage and is like, are you sure you don't know anything about these people who have gone missing? Meanwhile, Dr. Hyder is acting. He's acting out. He he's really is yelling. He's, he's, he's really banking on them being roofied soon based on his behavior. <laughs> right. Um, Dr. Hyder then goes back down to the basement and he's like, okay, new plan. Jenny's about to die. So she'll get removed from the human centipede. But I'm going to add two more people these detectives who are upstairs mm-hmm. but before that happens the detectives leave 
because they need to go they said this is another thing that i was like oh this is genuinely like sort of a funny twist where they're like we really want to inspect the house and he's like well you're gonna have to get a search warrant and they're like oh okay we'll be back in 20 minutes and in the 20 minutes things really go off the rails inside the human centipede house (laughs) truly because katsuro Lindsay, and jenny use this as a distraction to attack the doctor Mm -hmm. and kind of incapacitate him katsuro really like he i think gives him like two brutal like debilitating wounds yes and then so they're using this opportunity to try to escape uh but the doctor is like right he's you know dragging himself right behind them Mm -hmm. and it seems like they're trapped and they have no way out so katsuro kills himself not before making a Shakespearean monologue where yes. we'll talk about this, but like Katsuro, we know we, I mean, it's another, I feel like we've done a lot of these movies recently where, you know, nothing really about any of the characters in terms of other than like who knows each other and who doesn't. I think you, I would argue you, mo- you know, most about the doctor right at this point, because <laughs> you really don't know anything about the girls other than their American and friends. Mm-hmm. And you know, nothing about Katsuro other than he has been plucked uh, you know out of his car Mm -hmm. and then he like gives this this like soliloquy at the end where he's like I've lived a sinful life I have lived selfishly I abandoned my child and you're like Katsuro what is going on and then and then he's dead Mm -hmm. and it's just like you learn everything you're ever going to learn about this character at the like three seconds before he dies and it's like right what (laughs) that was we'll talk about it but i was like oh my god katsuro right and no one can understand what he is i mean we can as an audience because we are given the the subtitles um, we're given the subtitles yeah but it's like the centipede nor the doctor can understand this like very tragic thing he's just told us Mm -hmm. it made me sad yeah same everyone in the human centipede deserved better i'll say it (laughs) (laughs) i'd even go so far as to say they didn't deserve to be made into a human centipede but that's just me i agree (laughs) i agree and something that made me really particularly sad about katsura's speech is that he didn't seem to feel that way he seemed to feel like well because of all this shit that i've done in my life that is bad and i have like done these things that were that i feel a lot of guilt about I guess this is my comeuppance. Mm-hmm. I guess I just had, and he's like, I'm, st- I, but I, and I love genuinely, I was moved when mm-hmm. he said, but I am still a human being. And you're like, yeah, there's nothing you can do that would be so bad. So as to deserve being a human centipede real. I mean, <laughs> certainly not what he's describing. He's, it sounds like he's certainly made big mistakes in his life that sure. he regrets, mm-hmm. but not, a human centipede grade sin it's just it was i was moved by that speech oh my god yeah same oh <sighs> heavy oh, indeed um so the movie's almost over <laughs> the oh the the detectives come back mm-hmm. and they discover the human centipede they are there they don't know what to they, do they this is out of their pay grade then there's like a scuffle between them and Dr. Hyder where they, the both the detectives and Dr. Hyder 
are shot and killed or killed in some way. Mm-hmm. And then Jenny dies. So uh, Lindsay is in the middle, still alive, but with two dead people on either side of her. Mm-hmm. And she's like sobbing and there's no one to help. And she's her life has been she's in in a human centipede and that is how the movie ends i mean it's it's safe to say that she's fucked you know (laughs) yes she's more or less fucked is is what you could really say about her situation Mm -hmm. let's i was shocked that that's where it ends i guess let's take a break let's take a break (laughs) we'll come right back Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Yes. All right. Well, (laughs) um... 
We, I mean, during the recap, we talked a fair amount about the relationship between the two female characters in this movie. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I don't think it's a perfectly written relationship. I think that it is in terms of like, if we're going this genre specifically, it's not the worst. Mm. And I felt like, I don't know, most of my feelings about this movie get into like the themes surrounding the doctor. Sure. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess let's. Uh, do you have any other kind of observations about how the women in this movie are treated outside of becoming a human centipede? Of course. Right. 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 Um. As far as like character development goes, mm-hmm. yeah. I just don't think a lot of time is spent characterizing them. In fact, I don't even know if I could. I could not tell the difference between the two women for a long time. I knew curly hair, straight hair. That's <laughs> what I knew. And I also, I, I, it felt like kind of early you found out like, oh, Lindsay is our final girl because she is the one making an active effort to escape, which I genuinely do appreciate mm-hmm. in this genre because sometimes it's just like, nope, like everyone here just doesn't have like any sort of judgment skills and they'll do anything and they're not going to try to escape and they're going to be very passive. And mm-hmm. Lindsay's kind of immediately established as the person who will be active. I feel like it would have been maybe cooler to see them both participating in this effort. Right. But Jenny is like unconscious for most of the time, like most of act two and three. It seems like she was like drugged maybe harder. Like it seems like dr- mm-hmm. like the drugs like affected her maybe more than it did Lindsay. That's what it seemed like because yeah. she's like knocked out a lot. I don't know. Mm. I appreciated their friendship. I will say like at the end when Jenny died, I don't know why I didn't see it coming, (laughs) but when Jenny died and because there is kind of this like repeated shot of like when things are the most fucked up with the human centipede, Jenny and Lindsay will hold each other's hands as Mm -hmm. if to say, wow, this is really fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) That's what, but it was like, I really thought that that was like, a nice touch to connect these characters because they're the only characters in these scenes that know each other and have any history together and like having god having a female friendship at the center (laughs) of the human centipede i I just i thought it was nice that they they that you kind of got that repeated connection between them just to even remind the audience like oh yeah these women like really know and love each other and like what is happening to them and so so by the time that Jenny died at the end, I genuinely did feel like really like, I don't know, given what and we'll talk about kind of the behind the scenes stuff. But mm-hmm. I, I thought that the actors in this movie, given truly impossible material, did pretty well of like communicating their arc. And I think that like Jenny and Lindsay had like clearly communicated what their arc was as friends and human centipedes. I think that Katsuro, <laughs> like given truly nothing until the end, like you just, I thought that the actors in this movie did that really made a meal of, of the poo poo because, <laughs> because I was genuinely like, cut like the, that whole scene at the end where Katsuro is like, gives his like parting monologue and you're like, mm-hmm. what? And then he, and then, and then immediately after Jenny dies and the doctor, which we'll talk about him, but like, he's like the scariest villain of all time. Mm-hmm. And like, you did feel like 
I don't know. I guess that my only, my, not my only note, but like Lindsay and Jenny sort of seemed to be on like, they weren't on really separate arcs. They were kind of a unit character like you were describing. And I kind of wish that you got more from the two because there was space for that. Yeah. I think their characters could have been like differentiated a bit more. I couldn't really get a sense of a distinct personality from either of them or they just sort of seemed to be kind of like two characters with the same personality which was barely developed in the first place it seemed to kind of come down to like and and in a way that i couldn't really distinguish particularly but like Lindsay is the strong one for some reason and jenny mm. is the weak one for some reason but if you were asked to decide who was who in the establishing scene it would be basically impossible you're like they're kind of acting exactly the same why would one behave one way or over the other so it, yeah i think they do kind of form this unit character right they also are the ones the only ones that have to eat poop um, so there is that the way only women eat poop in human centipede one. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I mean, just thinking about the behind the scenes production, like these actors on this set, it also Let's means that this, this writer wrote a movie where two women actors have to have their faces in someone's ass and they're topless also the entire movie. <laughs> they're top, yes. Uh huh. So let's talk a little bit about because we. I know we both read this. There was I I I feel like every like camp or like niche movie we covered, there is some sort of extremely useful oral history that's been done. <laughs> yes. And I and I love this trend. I hope it keeps up. This one is from Vulture. It was put together by Kenny Herzog. Um, we're going to be pulling from the first one because I was like, I just cannot interact with other movies Mm -hmm. in this series. But, (laughs) but there is a lot like with a movie like this, particularly where you're like, this is the most fucked up thing you could like, this is truly Tom six saying, what's the most fucked up thing I could think of. Mm -hmm. And then I'll make a movie of it. And I feel like when you are doing that, it is like a responsibility of the creator to be very careful and be very deliberate with how you're treating your cast and your crew who you are, you know, like paying to execute your vision, but you have to treat people honestly and in good faith. And so I went into this thing being like, I hope that Tom six was very upfront about like, this is what, this is if it's really fucked up and you don't want to do it that's totally fine don't do it but mm-hmm. this is what it is it does not sound like that <laughs> is the way that it went but first i wanted to just mention as just kind of a way of discussing like i do think that there is a point to the first human centipede <laughs> it sounds like there's not to the other ones but like the way that tom six described his conceiving of the worst thing everyone now knows for some reason Mm -hmm. like from one man's mind everyone's nightmare forever (laughs) was that it sounds like it came from two places and I have a longer but like I let's talk about the production but he, he started he started by saying like you know what is the worst I mean it seems like he was thinking what's the worst crime I could think of and how would I punish it Mm -hmm. and so what he thought of was child sex abuse and what is the worst way to punish a child sex abuser something akin to a human centipede and so that is kind of where this idea comes from and then it seems like and I have other stuff here too but like it seems like where he goes is 
building out this like Nazi doctor character mm-hmm. and kind of taking it in this different historical direction to create this uniquely cruel punishment. But the difference with the human centipede is that the people who are forced to be a human centipede are not child sex abusers. They're just mm-hmm. people who this doctor perceives to be vulnerable. <laughs> so, yes. And on top of that, I read that writer director Tom Six saw some television program about like a child sex abuser and was mm-hmm. like, "Ooh, th- what's the worst possible punishment for them?" I know, stitching his mouth to the anus of a quote fat truck driver. So it's already a, like extremely insensitive yeah. thing to do. And I didn't even want to like repeat that cuz I'm like, "Fine, blah, I don't even <sighs> want to give that air." Like I understand the idea he's communicating, but it I found it interesting that he took that idea but then applied it to innocent people. <laughs> like it sounds like it was conceived as like what's the worst punishment for the worst crime you can think of and then was like but then the way his script works out, it's three not just innocent people, but three marginalized and uniquely vulnerable people in this mm-hmm. situation. Um, mm-hmm. And he's like putting language barriers in front of people. And, you know, through Dr. What's his name? Dr. Scary. <laughs> you know, like he is like this wealthy white guy who intentionally victimizes two women and a Japanese man mm-hmm. who he hold a lot of power over uh, whether it's a control and how he speaks to them and how he treats them physically and it just seems like he's intentionally choosing people that he perceives to be as weaker than him and even if you you know apply that logic to the trucker from the beginning Mm -hmm. who's another white guy but a a white guy who who doesn't have money and Mm -hmm. uh it comes from a lower class and it's like he you know the doctor is very intentionally choosing people that he views to be whatever I mean like weaker than him Mm -hmm. or I felt like that was like an intentional choice writing wise yeah and then like you mentioned the director was trying to draw a parallel between like the events of this movie and then like medical experiments that were being carried out by Nazi doctors in Nazi Germany and like that's where part Mm -hmm. of the inspiration of this movie came from where he's like drawing this parallel and I guess like attempting to comment on like Nazism and fascism yeah (laughs) I mean I can speak to that a little bit that's as close as I could get to feeling like this movie was trying to say something I you know it's like does it make the point very effectively almost definitely not (laughs) but but in terms of like creating so it's like his two intentions are definitely in conflict because his first thing was what we just talked about where it was like you know if there were no rules how would you punish the most vile crime you can think of Mm -hmm. and he doesn't do that in this instead he goes this other direction of like creating this i mean I think very clearly coded Nazi doctor. He's they're literally in Germany mm-hmm. and, and you're brought into this man's house and like, it's not a sensitive portrayal of anything, but there is, I mean, in terms of like reflecting any sort of realism, it's like, I, I don't even want to go too deep into it, but there, of, there of course is a very traceable and underreported and 
not taught in mainstream education history of medical experimentation on marginalized peoples. Mm -hmm. And so this particular doctor is commenting, it seems to be like on Nazi doctors, and there were a ton of Jewish people who were medically experimented on without their consent, mm -hmm. against their will. Some were murdered as a result. And this is a, an extremely, I mean, at this point, well-documented, but not commonly discussed thing. And, and mm -hmm. there's a great book about it that, uh, we can link in the description called The Nazi Doctor's Medical Killing and the Psychology of Genocide that there's many, you know, there's many commonly held medical practices today that were achieved because of these really brutal and murderous doctors mm -hmm. from, from the 20th century. And it also applies to um, black Americans mm -hmm. very often. There's this, there's the Tuskegee um, syphilis experiment that we can also link to it's i mean really and and then there's of course the issue of i i think that it's intentional that women are here um mm -hmm. in in this uh in this human centipede <laughs> uh not just because there this is so common to the genre of victimizing women but also because medical experimentation also tar like very often targets women without their consent and i, I think that it's this is like the furthest thing from the human centipede, but mm -hmm. I was reminded of the story of Henrietta Lacks. There was like a movie about it a couple of years ago that mm. Oprah was in, but um, Henrietta Lacks was a um, someone who eventually died of cancer, whose cancer cells were studied without her consent mm -hmm. to create, uh, you know, just strides forward in the field that have saved millions of lives since. But this was a a black woman who's you know, a part of her body was taken from her without her consent. Mm -hmm. Her family was never compensated. She was never asked. And this is like a serious issue mm -hmm. in the medical community. And it's like, you know, we're, we're not the best qualified people to talk about it, but it is like a very real thing mm -hmm. that's going on. Does the human centipede? No, <laughs> no. But I, I did find it at least... I guess that I'm like working with a with a yardstick of like more than I expected <laughs> um, uh -huh. like that it even attempts to kind of touch on something like this because I honestly went into this movie thinking like they just want to do the grossest thing they can think of mm -hmm. and make me watch it which is what they do as well mm -hmm. but but there was also like at least some level of cognizance in terms of how the characters were curated i'm not saying it's good i'm just saying it was more <laughs> intentional than i thought it would be yes i can't argue with that but it's again it's a matter of like intention versus what actually ends up happening on screen <laughs> and like well i feel like it's, a, it's a, i do think that like i don't know that the human centipede is trying to say anything that, it's like yeah. I guess it's referencing more than i thought it would sure 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 because ultimately i i don't know that tom six is like there is some grand takeaway you should be i, I unless he's really just like off in this other zone i don't even <laughs> recognize like I don't know that he's being like, and you're going to take away this huge, it's really going to make you think, mm -hmm. but he's just like referencing more things than I, I thought he was just going to be like mouths to butt. It's going to be 90 minutes. You're going to watch it or you're not going to, yeah. which is true to an extent, but like he's, he is referencing some stuff that I was like, Oh, mm -hmm. 
I mean, it's not saying anything, but it is referencing things where I don't know what the intention is here. I mean, honestly, like it doesn't it's 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 interest. Interesting is a very generous way to describe it. But like in this oral history, I feel like it seems like Tom Six is being asked what his intention is over and over and over. And he is not really able to answer the question. He's able to like list things he was thinking about uh-huh. and he's able to list things that he's referencing, but he's not really able to tell you like, this is the point. I think the <laughs> point is it's fucking gross. Like, yeah, ultimately I think that is the point. I don't know. Yes. Um, I want to talk a little bit about like the production of it. Yes, yeah, let's go let's go through that a little more so, because this um there's a lot to to chew on there with is. this oral history. Yeah. So with it seems like it was presented very disingenuously to the actors and the production in general. Yeah. I did read I think this is mentioned in the oral history that um because I'm pulling information from both that and um our favorite scholarly journal Wikipedia. Um, Mm -hmm. But like a lot of actors who came in to read for the roles of like Lindsay or Jenny or Katsuro were like, this is what this movie is? Fuck no. And then they like stormed out of the audition kind of thing. So there was some transparency, but like... I do think that but it seems like it, it is like kind of bizarre to me that you would could get all the way into the like that's I guess something that it's like I don't know that I've ever maybe this isn't totally true but I don't know that I've ever gone into an audition room for something that is like that much with having no idea until I'm already in the room with the director you know like yeah that even seems kind of like sketchy um, right, that you could get all the way into an audition before realizing what a human centipede is. You know, they uh, should be more upfront about that. Yeah, I did read that. Um, before the actors signed on to the project, they were given an outline of the script or an outline right. of the storyboard rather than a full script. So they didn't fully know exactly what like specific scenes they were going to have to be acting out they were given sketches of how the centipede would look so they at least knew well that's not not that part (laughs) my favorite cursed quote from from this was ashlyn yenny who played jenny uh the way that her manager framed it to her when she was asked to audition was hey, would you like to audition for this controversial European film? I'm like, oh my God, could you like frame the human centipede in a less honest way? Than mm-hmm. I mean, it is technically a controversial European film, but that's not what I think of. <laughs> no. When I think of, yeah. And then I was also curious because I was like, how safe were these actors? How much discomfort were they in on like, like yeah. physically emotionally mentally you know I just I've had a feel I was just like I was so worried that I would learn that the conditions on set were like really unpleasant and toxic and to some degree they were and uh, regarding Dieter La- or Dieter Laser <laughs> Mr. Laser um, I mean he sounds like when he was in Method Zone he was like full Tom Hardy as Mad Max <laughs> like like any man doing method it sounds like he was behaving in a scary and kind of like in that same way where it's like oh well he's an artist so he's allowed to treat you like Mm -hmm. shit while you're at work (laughs) like that shit that we've talked about a million times that we 
I fucking hate. Yeah, like, yeah. Ugh. He was screaming at the other actors. He was like yeah. refusing to talk to them like between takes to like preserve the level, you know, the whatever, who even knows. But um yeah, so he was being a real piece of shit on set. It seems like the the human centipede itself, the three were were um there was some solidarity within the centipede. Yeah. And I learned that they were given like massages at the end of the of each shooting day because of like the uncomfortable positions they had to yeah. maintain and there were robes there was like some because that was honestly like I was just like oh is there are they being given for such an obviously uncomfortable position for an actor to have to be in were they given the correct amount of like you know layers between each other mm -hmm. and like was there there was some of that, it seems like. Yeah. Ultimately, it's so low budget that I'm like, I just find it hard to believe that it was totally above board. Right. And then there's also a few creepy quotes in there where the actor who played Katsuro said something kind of creepy in the in the oral history mm -hmm. where he's like, I did a Skype audition and Tom was like, just to let you know, these two beautiful girls' face are going to be attached to your ass. I was like, you're a genius. And it's like, <laughs> right. well, that's not the best vibe to be like, that doesn't make me feel particularly good about the conditions that these, these women were brought into. No, uh, We weren't there. Here's something we're, we're bravely going to admit. We weren't on the set of the human centipede. Um, I don't know. I guess it's like falls into this gray area where it's like it doesn't seem like it was completely her I most most of where I felt like uncomfortable was the pre-production stuff where I'm like you have to be super fucking straightforward about what you're signing people up for Tom mm -hmm. Six. You mm -hmm. can't be like coy about the human centipede. <laughs> Which he was very he coy was, about it yeah. to to at least to some degree the, the cast as well as financiers um did you read this story i, mean, I don't care about that <laughs> right, that's right, kind right. of funny but I, that, yeah that's just funny where he's just like yeah it's about a, a surgeon who conjoins people but he left out the part where it was like a mouth to anus he just didn't say where <laughs> i feel like that in the on the financier part, that's hilarious. But on the actor part, it's really on the like if you yeah. want to build trust with people and you want them to not like sue the shit out of you lately, mm -hmm. like later on, then you know you've you've got to be. It bothered me that it sounds like he would being he was being a little coy about that because yeah. it's like, well, what do you stand to gain other than this like weird power upper hand over these? relatively i mean like actors that had experience but were not famous and you would imagine not famous enough to have more power than him mm -hmm, essentially right. like it just made me uncomfortable uh, yeah i don't think that tom six is a very i mean he is quoted as saying that he gets quote a rash from too much political correctness so he's not a woke guy i mean he created the human woke. fucking centipede <laughs> like he is not <laughs> he's not a woke guy i mean i'm just like okay even if you're not politically aligned with me like you have to treat your actors ethically mm -hmm. you know like that is there is a very low bar you need to clear and it just didn't seem like at least it seems like at least once the movie was in production that there was some care taken 
Um, yeah. But in pre-production, and also it's just, I don't know. I never... I never know what to think because it's like so often when actors say like, oh, I'm fine. It's just because they want to just they just want it to be over mm-hmm. um, and not because they're actually fine. But they're like, well, I don't want to prolong the pro like I don't want to prolong this by saying I'm uncomfortable. I mean, especially, you know, women or actors of color like who don't want to yeah, which the whole human centipede is. It's, right. And they don't want to appear difficult because, you know, if they get a reputation, they won't get cast in things. So they have to just exactly. like exactly yeah, kind of tolerate whatever abuse is dealt to them on set. So, yeah. And meanwhile, the, the you know, the, the main white guy is going method and screaming at everybody. Mm-hmm. And so it's like there is a clear differentiation of power yes. on the set. Um, I also just want to be clear. I mean, in terms of like the uh, medical experimentation and, and Nazi doctor stuff, there's just like our show is not equipped to fully unpack all of that i just wanted to acknowledge that i think that that's what's being referenced here which is not it just wasn't my understanding of what this movie was that i I didn't even think it was going to attempt to reference anything Mm -hmm. and the way that it does i i mean it's like ultimately this movie doesn't accomplish anything (laughs) but i don't think that anyone was like shocked by that i don't know I found there was a fun friend of the cast, Karina Longworth quote Uh in that, that I wanted to share just because like she, she was, I I think this was like pre podcast and she was a full-time film reviewer at Mm -hmm. this time. Mm -hmm. But what she said was the reaction I had of wanting to throw up is a visceral thing. And the movie showed a certain kind of skill in getting that reaction out of me for what it was, the human centipede was perfect. And it's like, I feel like that's like the true theme of the human centipede is that it's fucking the grossest thing that anyone has ever thought of in their entire life. Yes. But, but they're, but, but but within that they are like putting some historical context and they are putting two women women and an Asian man in the human centipede exclusively. Mm-hmm. And there is like, I don't, I mean, it's like, it doesn't really matter if Tom Six doesn't want to talk about the politics of what he's doing, what he's doing. His, his choices are intentional here, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um, just a little bit about the inclusion of the character of Katsuro, who is played by... Akihiro Kitamura who's been in a bunch of like a bunch of I was going through his filmography and I'm like this actor has been in a lot of wild movies <laughs> um what I was reading about that character is basically Katsuro was included simply to create a language barrier between him and like the two women and also Mm -hmm. the doctor. So basically you get an inclusion of an Asian character, but it's only for that reason, which uh, again is not the inclusion that (laughs) we're hoping for in film. Well, absolutely. No, absolutely (laughs) not. 
like the so. like no question mark there it absolutely isn't and i mean it takes longer i guess than i expected in the human centipede for someone to die but the first person who dies is the only non-white person in the cast mm-hmm. katsuro is the first person to die um everyone you know it's it's kind of a row of dominoes but mm-hmm. i feel like that that keeps with that classic horror trope of a white person is never the first person to die in a horror movie or in a thriller gore movie like this and the human centipede kind of upholds that i mean unless you're in, you're including the truck driver who's killed first oh but... i guess uh, i i guess i meant like of the cast that we know sure sure um i don't i don't even know what the truck driver's name mm. was Shrug. um but uh, yeah i mean i i think that it's i, I would be curious i guess i i'm like i don't know if i really want to know what anyone who was in the human centipede what's on their mind right now (laughs) maybe not but but you know i i think that it's i think it just shows like uh that that seems like a tom six problem of like yeah just so like oh well i need to introduce an obstacle and what is the way i can do this and it's just so do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah. It's just so like white guy brain mm-hmm. to be like, oh, this would be, oh, this is perfect because it's, it's it's not like intentional inclusion in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, and, and it seems I- like he's choosing people that the doctor would feel comfortable victimizing too, which introduces this whole other layer of fucked up upness. <sighs> right. And then, and again, I'm I'm pulling from Wikipedia here, but. It says Katsuro's position in the centipede being like the first one Mm -hmm. sets up the opportunity for the doctor and the male victim of the centipede to fight toward the climax of the film, end quote, which reads to me like Tom Six couldn't envision a scenario in which a woman would fight a a man. Okay. (laughs) I thought that was an interesting choice, too, that Katsuro is at the front of the, like, I guess I saw that going two directions, and I always am kind of assuming that Tom Six is going in the less well-thought-out direction, (laughs) Uh which is that, yeah, like, he's just like, oh, well, I don't want a woman at the front. She'll just be yelling and screaming all day, like, Mm -hmm. and, which is, it's, it's frustrating, because it's like, Lindsay you know, we've been introduced to Lindsay as like, oh, this is the, you know, this is our female character that we're kind of like rooting for. And seems like she kind of has the smarts and the ability and, you know, like know how to get out of this situation. But then she is punished. And then after she's punished, she kind of disappears. Like there's not really anything she does after that, that is like, oh, there's that scrappy Lindsay we knew from the beginning who got out of the situation. And it seems I mean I guess it's like if this were a real life situation maybe but it's like in terms of plot it doesn't even really make a ton of sense to me that you would establish this kind of like this female character with agency have her be punished and then have kind of nothing happen after that right it seems like a there was so much setup that like a lot of the setup I didn't even dislike that I was like, Oh, okay. But then she doesn't do anything for the rest of the movie. She's right. stuck in the middle of, which is like realistically, I guess probably what would happen. But in terms of like a three act structure, it's like, I was assuming someone was going to unsew themselves or like something was going to happen yeah. or like they would find a way to like communicate with Katsuro or like there was just, 
the I guess it's like foolish of me to be like the human centipede was so disempowered but like (laughs) but I just thought because you are like the doctor is so intentionally creating this so that they can't possibly communicate with each other Mm because it does seem like that's the other that was the thing that I was like oh maybe he's trying to do that by introducing uh, the the only person who can speak no one can understand what they're saying mm-hmm. because like Katsuro is the only person in the room who speaks Japanese right and I'm like maybe that was his but like I don't even really want to give Tom Six that much credit I just I'm like <laughs> I just wish that the human centipede had been able to communicate or like there had been some sort of moment other than I mean, and and it was exciting to see Ketsuro stab the doctor and shit sure. like that. Like, that was cool. And he is our only non-white character in the entire fucking movie. So I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. glad that he had those moments of agency and, like, taking charge of the situation. But I would have rather have seen that with them, like, working together, you know, mm-hmm. or, like, connecting. Because it's so, it makes it even more upsetting when Katsuro makes this, like, tragic speech at the end that no one can understand and just no one ever gets to know him and then he dies Mm -hmm. like it's so that what (laughs) are you trying to say with that tom six that's so fucking depressing it's like yeah like i i mean and i just don't believe that tom six is actually trying to say anything with that i think he's just like well he's at the front of the human centipede what do you want like (laughs) but yeah i mean uh, he's written a script and made a movie where the protagonist who is a woman loses all of her agency half at the midpoint of the movie and then doesn't she's get... not even the protagonist by the end right you who know? is the protagonist like is there one like is it the doctor is it the, right the, the doctor i mean the the movie starts to focus so much on the doctor especially post-surgery because that's what happens when you sew people's mouths to other people's anuses they can't talk anymore like there's not going to be much they dialogue do much yeah. <laughs> so like then the movie focuses on the doctor and kind of like what he's up to and not that we're rooting for him but like it's such a weird writing choice it is yeah like i feel like it does get into the like factor of and i don't want to like let tom six off the hook in any way here because <laughs> he's making a lot of racist and misogynist choices mm-hmm. in kind of like like he's referencing this clear racism and misogyny that this doctor has but he's not really like it's not going anywhere so it's kind of right he's just racism and misogyny that's happening on screen that isn't going anywhere yeah but (laughs) like i just kept waiting for like well lindsay's got like lindsay's gonna find a pen Mm-hmm. You know, like someone's going to find a way of communicating with somebody. They're going to be able to like, I, it's just, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm trying to think of like another movie example where this happens, but it's like characters with language barriers find ways to communicate with each other in other movies mm-hmm. and in life, you know? And it's like, I just thought that that was going to happen at some point. Like I thought that it was like, okay, so we have this like, pretty sizable language barrier between these characters that's why it's going to be all the more like wow when they manage a bigger obstacle to yeah right and then they're going to manage to overcome it and the doctor's going to be shocked and like it's going to be really exciting but then they just but they just just don't and they just stay a human centipede (laughs) and jenny i mean it's like if you think Lindsay disappears where does Jenny go? Oof. Like she just is dying the entire movie. Yes. She's just dying. I now that we've fully dropped the bit. Um 
it's such a it is a bummer because it's like a bum <laughs> uh, a bummer wow a bummer because he was had to pee <laughs> uh it it is because it's like we're given you know three characters that it could po- possibly it would still be disgusting but mm. like it would be interesting if they found a way to communicate with each other and like make a plan instead of just like a lot of movie passing and then Katsuro being like um so we should get out of here right like because that's kind of all that happened yeah and it makes sense that he would you know <laughs> want to get out of there but it just like the entire caboose is just really disempowered <laughs> in that uh, oh, good in, grief. In <laughs> so glad we're talking about this. <laughs> yeah, so I guess now that now that we have dropped the bit, um, a little peek behind the curtain, this was, um, I thought it would be a very, very funny April Fool's joke if we covered it. I thought we should do the Snyder Cut, but that's four hours long, so, oh, you know, yeah. this, this is actually the lesser of many evils that we pitched. <laughs> So, um, yeah, happy April Fool's Day, everybody. Yeah, let's wrap this up. I need to go die. I need to go absolutely die. <laughs> um, there, was, was there other stuff that kind of stuck out to you? I don't think so. Yeah, I think that this movie references one or two interesting points, but it doesn't make a point about any of them. It Mm-mm. just kind of like, if you did have a pre-existing knowledge of deeply cruel medical experiments, maybe your brain would be pinged at a few points in this movie of like, oh, I think that that's what they're referencing there. Mm-hmm. But it's not going anywhere. And so you are just kind of seeing the the cruelest possible punishment inflicted onto three innocent <laughs> people. I just to me the saddest part of the movie is when we learn. I mean, we end up kind of by the end of the movie learning more about Katsuro than we know about the. I mean, at least Lindsay and Jenny right. because he just kind of like tells his life story in his <laughs> dying breath. And but his whole like, I've done all this fucked up stuff, but human centipede really. It just seems like a bit much. And then he dies. And you're just like, oh, my God, I feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah, there's no. But he was like implying that he might deserve it. I'm like, Katsuro, there's just like no way that you deserve Mm -mm. You were just on vacation. Yeah. The best horror movies, at least for me, Mm -hmm. are ones that are like clearly allegorical or have some kind of social commentary or something. And this movie is just devoid of that it's i think it like starts in an interesting place and then and then takes a hard left into just simply being the human centipede (laughs) um which is a shame because it would i mean like theoretically it would be pretty fucking incredible if a like really skilled writer was able to turn this disgusting thing into an interesting conversation mm-hmm. um but it's kind of a non-starter to talk about here cuz that's just like kind of not what happened right so um <laughs> i give it six nipples and it does pass the bechdel test not even lying <laughs> absolutely yeah um i give it six centipede legs which is the equivalent of Uh. zero nipples 
Wait, you're. I thought we were. No, we gotta give it Whoa, six nipples. Okay, six nipples. Sorry, six nipples. I can't believe you bailed. <laughs> I can't believe you bailed on me like that. You know what that's gonna look like on the Wikipedia? Chaos. <laughs> yeah, but I can't have. I cannot in good conscience have one of our highest rated movies be the human centipede that's so funny that's so funny <laughs> yeah yeah I, I want i want history to look back on this show and then and then because all that means is they have to go back and listen to this episode and look at the date of release and be like oh my gosh oh sure what goof <laughs> i'm giving it okay i guess like i give it six nipples parentheses as a little joke <laughs> Okay, and I don't want to give a real <laughs> rating because I don't want to think about this movie for another second. Yeah. Okay. Um. Ditto. I'll do the same thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Whoever is editing the Wikipedia page, make sure to say parentheses as a little joke, <laughs> and then we're good to go. Um. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I guess that's it <laughs> for the Human Centipede episode. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess in terms of behind the scenes, it was literally all Tom Six and occasionally his sister. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there was a woman at the top of production, but she was from a cursed bloodline. She was from <laughs> Tom, she's Tom Six's sister. Yes. Um, so uh, we hope you enjoyed this. Yeah, you're welcome, everyone. You know, I know that this is a really that there was a high demand for this mm-hmm. and people and and hey, if you want an episode on the Snyder Cut, um, you know, I was I thought that was funny until I found out it was four hours long. Is it really four hours long? It's literally four Holy hours, like no joke. Shit. It's four hours long, and it's supposed to be like just as bad, but in a totally different way. Okay. <laughs> so, um, you know, this is what you get. Okay, <laughs> April Fools. <laughs> gotcha. Teehee. Joke, joke, we're still inside, so everything's great, and we hope you're well, we hope you're safe, and we hope you're making good choices, mm-hmm. and um, and we and we love you. We love you so much, and... Um, April Fool's fell on a Thursday. You left us with no choice. We had to. We had to. Yeah. And, you know, the usual stuff, social media, our Matreon, give us, you know, give us six nipples on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever. Honestly, if you made it to the end of this episode, it would mean so much to simply give us uh, five stars on iTunes. It always helps because occasionally we get a wave of MRAs and it and it's stressful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, please. So please uh, dilute their low ratings by giving us yeah. five nipples. And, yeah. um... and we'll be back with more soon. More to come. All right. Um, bye-bye. Bye. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast! 
Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network. Available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 